Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, executive career management. If not you, who? Here we go. Executive career management. That sounds like a pretty weighty topic. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's like a black box to most people, right? People just, oh, well, how does that happen? I don't know. And they never talk about it, but it's not a secret. It's not a secret and executives do it. And if they're going to do it and there's some techniques folks use, you better be prepared when you get it. <laughs> That's right. One of the ways that senior leadership positions are determined is by some other senior leader, maybe a board member, maybe just a very senior person looking at a pre people a couple levels down asking one person asks many senior leaders who they think would be good in the role. And sometimes this takes the form of asking the very people being considered for the position. And the right answer probably isn't what you think it is. And the response is definitely not what 90% of the managers we know do when they get the question. Right. Even if they know the right answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the question that comes down, it doesn't come in this exact form, but the, but the essence of the question is, if not you, who? In other words, if we're not going to make you the new president or GM or whatever, or the new CEO or the new CFO or whatever, who would be the person, if you're qualified, that you would most want to work with of those people whom you might think of as qualified? Now, look. Our second point is, this is not a trick to sell yourself, guys. This is what kills so many people. They think, well, I've gotten this far on energy and drive and stamina and wisdom and courage and bravery and blah, blah, blah. That, that Oh, you know, okay, well, let me tell you why it should be me. And, of course, that completely misses the point of the question is, if not you, who would you pick? And so the correct answer is to tell them honestly who you, whom you would most want to work for. Right. If it's not going to be you, who else would you pick? Who's the, your favorite person among the remaining group? Yeah, it's not complex and it's not trick, right? There's not. It's, no, it's not a, there's no we're trick. not going to tell you a fancy way no. of uh, of saying you. <laughs> there's not a game theory here that if everyone picks the other person, but one person puts themselves forward, that they're going to get it. It's not that kind of trick at all. We're not doing game theory stuff. We're asking an honest question. The mistake that people make is the idea that their answer applies to them, but it really doesn't because our fourth point is the way to win is to be first on everybody else's list. The whole point of dealing with executives is you know you're going to get a lot of people saying, well, I can do it. I'm capable. I'm smart. I'm driven. I deserve it, frankly. But that's not the way you win this argument. And then the last point we have is why wouldn't you learn how to use this with your directs? to some degree, at least to sense what your directs are thinking about their peers. Good. All right. So the question is, if not you, who? And again, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward question, right? Yeah. You're a potential candidate for a role of some level. Maybe you're just a general manager. Maybe it's president of a division. Maybe it's a C-suite job. Maybe it's just, you know, running a sales team, an important client sales team. Remember John Hoffman, when he took over the Intel sales team for Applied, and Intel was the 900-pound gorilla in the world at the time for Applied. That was an important role. I have no doubt that they asked Hoff, hey, if we're not going to pick you, who else would be good there? And they knew he wanted the job, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and many people thought he was by far the most qualified as well, right? And, and, and what happens is you get, you get approached, 
And they say, look, you know that in the next three months, Bob's going to rotate out or Sarah's going to take a promotion or somebody's going to take a two-year sabbatical and that job's going to open up. And so, look, I know you want it and I'm not, nothing wrong with that. Good on you. And if it weren't going to be you, if not you, who? And again, translated, we know you want this job. It'd be boring of us to ask you why you'd be good at it because you're not a good (laughs) discriminator about you. You're not going to leave this decision to some quiet little one-on-one interview with somebody senior. They're going to pull things. They're going to get a sense of things. They're going to make sure that they're getting what they expect. What we really want to know when we ask this is among all these high, high performers we could choose from, which one stacks up best in the eyes of those people with whom she might have to work or even lead? Who will be the best manager and leader of the people who want this job and don't get it? Look, guys, I promise you, this is one of those casts that I can speak with full clarity on because I made this mistake. I made the mistake of believing it was, oh, this is a trick question. And they're really wanting to know why I should be best for it. And I just got an eye roll. So something else that happens too, when you think it's about you, you compare yourself to the job in a vacuum. But guys, hard lesson for me, it's not enough to be the best person when you're compared to a particular job in a vacuum. We can't tell you the number of times we listen to managers who know a job is going to be filled, say something like, well, obviously it's got to be me, hasn't it? I mean, I'm the only one with international experience, you know, out of the potential depicts, you know, I, I'm really excited about this, Mark. I'm sure you think I'll get it as well. I've been here the longest. I have the best track record. I was on the initial team that started this thing up. And that would be grand if only everybody didn't hate that person. <laughs> yeah. Right. And hate's probably too strong a word, obviously. Look, guys, you might look good in theory. Many of us do in various places. And we tend to overlook our weaknesses and focus on our strengths. But in practice, again and again and again, we learn it's all about people. Even a really powerful senior sponsor of yours won't put you on a job you're unlikely to succeed in because you're not well-liked and people won't carry the water for you. And again, people reasons being the reason so many of us fail because that senior sponsor of yours isn't evaluated just on whether or not people whom he or she sponsors get the right jobs, but whether or not they do well in that job once they have it. So you've got to be able to compare yourself, not in a vacuum, but to the field. And there'd be nothing wrong with doing a positive and minus sheet and compare yourself to the field so that you'll know who's good in other areas and who's not. And you probably are not going to be objective about yourself. So ask somebody close to you who doesn't have a dog in the hunt, maybe to take a look at it. You know, no, you're probably rating yourself there and there and there. Um, and your best friends are the ones who will be totally honest with you. Although my best friends tell me that all the time. And then I tell them and they get their feelings hurt. I, <laughs> <laughs> So, look, it matters about people. You've got to be perceived the right way for anything other than a director-level job. As you start moving to an executive ranks, you've got to be perceived as someone who can lead. And if nobody likes you or if you're not well-regarded by others, you're not going to be received or perceived well. Now, our second point is going to disappoint a lot of people because, folks, we're not leading up to this tricky way of selling yourself while you're talking about other people. That's yeah. That's not it at all. This is not a trick for you to sell yourself. First mistake. I made it, as I said earlier. It, this is not code for a live pitch. It's not. In fact, a live pitch at the point where you're being discussed for a particular job decreases your chances. 
Okay. The perception is that someone who is asked about others who would be good, if you actually say, here's why I think I'm good, when you're asked about other people, the perception comes across that you're stuck on yourself. You're not listening, which is huge as an executive because of an inability to evaluate other people fairly, right? And so you end up becoming too selfish and you, you're going to be selfish in a highly collaborative environment, which is executive life. And frankly, you know, Mike, over the last couple of years, I've begun to realize that we position executive life as being so collaborative. But I just got to say, I think there's a hidden mm-hmm. message in managerial life, which is it's also very collaborative as well. The best people are very collaborative. There are rare exceptions, people who just step on people who are really, really, really smart. Most of us are not. And I think the fact is when we complain about other managers not doing what they're supposed to do, they're probably complaining about us not doing what we're supposed to do. And we're all connected. Uh, it's like that gigantic grove of aspens on the eastern face of the Colorado Rockies that I think botanists now describe as one gigantic living organism. And they're all interconnected. And I think too many managers don't recognize the importance of that. They still haven't transitioned out of that individual contributor role and realize that the higher up I get, the more connected and the the more rigid the connectors are with me and other people. And if I make a move, somebody else gets affected virtually immediately. Yeah, and there are exceptions, right? The super smart or the super those who violate the rules we we generally ascribe to and and they're successful regardless and they're exciting and they're visible and they get a lot of attention and they're a small percentage of success very small yeah yeah so folks don't try to sell yourself don't even think about hinting about how good you'd be the whole point is of this question is to take you out of this picture and look if you hadn't heard our introductory outline where we gave this whole cast away i'd ask you at this moment If you believe that it's true, that the question is truthful, that it's not hidden, that it's not clever, if you believe the premise is true that you're supposed to be left out of the equation, what is the only way then to come out on top? If in fact you desire to do so, and we suspect that you do. If you can't sell yourself and they're asking you about other people, you've got to come to the conclusion that your answer is not nearly as important for you as everybody else's answers, right? Yeah. The best way to impress when asked a direct question is to give a direct answer, right? Yeah. And so you can rest easy given that, right? And just tell them who you, you would most want to work for. Who was it I was talking to on the phone the other day, speaking of direct questions, and I says, when are you going to be here? And they said, well, I'm in this location. Was it me? I don't think so. <laughs> It may have been, oh dear. <laughs> uh, peek behind the curtain there, folks. I mean, really, when are you going to get here? Uh, you know, not not where are you now? <laughs> By the way, I'd like to tell you where I am now, and then I'd like you to get out your Google Maps while you're driving and determine the time it will take me to get where you want me to be. Yeah, direct questions, I, I love them. And frankly, they surprise people a lot of the time. Look, the major point is, if you get a direct question like this, and it is a direct question, you've got to tell them whom you would most want to work for. Okay, you can rest easy giving a direct an- giving a direct answer here, and be smart, guys. Start thinking now about the role you're in and your peers and roles you would be considered for, and who you would pick. If not you, who? Who's the person you would most be willing to work for? And by the way, if you say I'd tolerate working for him, I suspect they'd oh, say geez, I'd hate really? working for you. Yeah, absolutely. 
So ask yourself, what single person would you pick? If it was left to you, which one person would you most want to be your boss? Now, look, we're not saying go to the other end of the spectrum opposite you. This is not a time to go over everybody. You, they're not asking you for a talent analysis. They're not asking you to tell them how great everybody is. It'll be seen as a clumsy attempt at you being overly effusive and essentially pointing the finger back at yourself. Don't do that. Pick somebody. Accept the risk that you may pick the person that you end up going to work for. But in that case, you actually had a, played a role in them being picked. And it's better than your worst enemy. So you're going to pick one, right? And then yeah. you're going to describe them or tell your, your boss why you'd like to work for them or why they're the best choice. And of course, there's always positives and there are negatives. So do you give a balanced? Uh, no, no. Obviously, if at the level, if you're a manager, if you're a director, if you're a junior executive, you know, you give a balanced answer for why somebody's best. A balanced answer is an excuse to say, well, yeah, he's got these things going for him. But of course, on the other hand, <laughs> of course, exactly. you know, well, as everyone knows, wink, wink, nod, 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 dumb, just dumb. So. Talk about their strengths. Here's why I'd want to work for him. He's good at this. He's good at this. He's good at this. We have a good relationship. Da, 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 da. And look, if you feel like you've got to mention a weakness, and trust me, folks, you're wrong if you think you actually must, follow that weakness with why that's not a big enough factor to rule them out for them being your number one, which, of course, it must not be a big enough factor to rule them out if you've just said they're my number one. And look. Don't think that you're going to find a perfect person. Before you do that, look in the mirror and just check. Am I the perfect person? No? Okay. Well, then nobody else is either. And I had to forgive everybody else the fact that they're not perfect. Here's how it might sound. Okay. Let's say Mike and I are back in the MCI days. And um, I don't know, Rob or somebody comes to me and says, Mark, I know you want the job. Could be you. Could be somebody else. Let's talk about the candidates. And if it's not going to be you, who would you pick? I say, well, that's easy. It's Mike, isn't it? He's clearly the smartest among us. He has the best track record of results. And he has a great track record of developing managers. Jeez. He has great relationships with his customers. We didn't a couple of years ago, but he just he decided it was important and worked on it. And now he has great relationships. And they love him. Customer relationships are only going to be more important in the next couple of years. And he's just spent a whole year in the project management office, program management office, broadening his reach across the organization. He's got capital management experience. And frankly, I know him well. I trust him. I'd love to work for him. Now, look, you might say to yourself, some VP is going to go, Horseman's Mr. Persuasive. We're giving it to Ozan. Well, guys, let me just tell you something. You ain't all that. (laughs) You're not going to be that persuasive. They probably already have somebody in mind. This question often is asked to make sure the person they have in mind ends up near the top of everybody's list, as opposed to the most hated man in Mayberry. So that's how it sounds. Okay. I can't even say this with a straight face, but I'll try. So could you say, well, other than me, blah, blah, blah. You could. You (laughs) could. And it would not be wise. You could if you were a jackass. (laughs) I think think that's, yeah. You could do a lot of things. You could. Do we recommend it? Oh, no. No, we definitely don't. I mean, particularly if you said other than me and you went to this thing and then said, so like I said, other than me, it's like, really? You're just so vain that I'm trying to send you a message. Wink, wink, nod, 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 judge. That, in fact, he's number two. But if you're going to make me two, if you're going to take Caesar out of the running for Holy Roman Emperor, well, then I guess we'll have to pick this other guy. Not nearly as good, mind you, but a fine person. 
<laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. They know the question they asked. It's a fair question. Doesn't have any heat in meeting. Answer it without making some sort of clever, subtle, personal pitch, or you'll be seen as a self-promoter. And what you want is to be promoted by others. And that's the genius of this particular question, right? If your boss goes to you and all your peers and asks this question, and on everybody else's, you know, answer other than yours is you. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a good sign. That's a good way to get promoted. Yeah. That, again, that we, we think it's a trick. We want to control the future. Of course, control is an illusion. What a joke. We think it's a trick and we try to sell ourselves. Some of us get nervous having to name somebody else. But when you think about it, when you think about others having to answer the same question, the strategy is clear. Whom do most of the likely candidates and key players see as best for the role other than themselves? The goal isn't to sell yourself, guys. The goal is for others to sell you. You can only sell one, but many can sell you if they are asked, as you're going to be, to take yourself out of the equation. Look, we've learned we can't get really great answers, particularly unless we're going to spend days and days and days out of candidates from themselves. We know that. But at executive levels, it's not just about the individual, is it? The collaboration, the politics, the relationships, the heart of the total successful executive challenge is summed up by the question, are others eager to work with you and even work for you? Are you somebody who can create alliances, who can create bonds of friendship and bonds of professional understanding and trust such that people can count on you? Because they like you. And yes, for those of you who are high D's and high C's, you say, well, liking's not all that important to me. Well, but for half the world it is. And for a room full of egos that are executive sized, you definitely need to be likable. So your job is to answer the question truthfully about somebody else. And hopefully you realize the underlying truth here is start working on your relationships now so that you will be number one or essentially number two on everybody else's list. Yeah, be competent and, and have good relationships. Something like that. <laughs> and then we just roll it down, right? I mean, guys, if you're going to have to do this at the executive level, why not start thinking about it at the managerial level? Hone your skills so when you're a couple of levels higher, if you're only a manager now, you'll know how it's coming, you'll know how it feels, you'll know how to think about it, and so on. And wouldn't you want to know from your directs who they value in the, yeah. amongst their peers? Let's not kid ourselves into thinking that we're going to be right because you just don't always know. There are people out there who can put up a good facade. And look, even if you are right 90% of the time, nothing wrong with the additional validation that puts you over the top on a decision. The one reason I think this might create a problem is if only a small minority of your directs are interested in the role, like if, you know, in terms of replacing you. Certainly, this is less valuable, although I believe it has value. If your boss is saying, no, 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 I'm going to pick your successor. If my boss told me he was going to pick my successor, I would then go into overdrive thinking about what can I do to make sure that the guy I recommend is the one he picks. And I would put my best guy front and center, and I'd make sure he knew that my best guy was also the best guy in the minds of the people on the team. Certainly at sea level, there's fewer to pick from, right? You're not going to go down five levels into the organization. But if you're a mid-level manager and you try this with one of your subordinate managers, is it um, reasonable, fair, or do you advise at all that they broaden their scope beyond their immediate peers and maybe go over to their boss's peers? Sure. Yeah. I, I think so. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think this is simply an analytical framework 
that you're going to apply to what is obviously an excellent, insightful question that leadership asks about management and organizational succession. That's all it is. Okay. It comes to us in the form of a question that 80% of us stumble over. If you have the framework about being number two and the precursor to that, which is relationships, 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 if you put that framework in place and then you use that framework over time, when it finally comes to the point of you versus somebody else, you'll not only have the relationships, you'll understand the questions coming. You'll know why you're going to answer the way you do. And there may be a couple people who are in the running who totally blow it. This is just another tool in your managerial toolbox, the analytical framework to say, I need to be number two. I know not everybody's going to say I'm the number one. Hey, that high D over there thinks you should be king or God or something like that. And that's okay. But I need to have a good relationship with him. Just like I need to have a good relationship with the marketing person, the HR person, and the operations person, all of those people. I can't just align with people who are easy to align myself with. I have to align myself with as many people as possible. I mean, why wouldn't you want to know whether or not somebody one level down is as good as you think they are in the minds of the people they're going to be working with or perhaps leading. It's really hard to argue with that in terms of reducing friction once that person takes their new role. That's it. If not you, who? And it's not a trick. Tell them who you'd most want to work for. Be honest about it, even if you think that helps the other person because he doesn't get to vote for himself. She doesn't get to vote for herself. You want to be first on everybody else's list. It, guys, this is really simple. If we don't think we're being tricked, this is not a chance to overrun the questioner. The question question's literal. And the answer is really fated long before you utter it, right? Either others will want to work with you or they won't. And this question won't change their mind. If you're answering the question, other people are too. And the question is, are they saying your name? And look, guys, something else I just think is interesting I've thought of this a lot. Nobody ever notices this, but does anybody else find it interesting that this is the question executive recruiters often ask when they're trying to fill a job and canvassing their contacts? Hmm. There's some practice right there for you. You need to be thinking about that. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. You bet, partner. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you back here again next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.